Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. I continue to be fascinated by story and what some people refer to as inner narratives. We'll kind of ramble our way through it all next. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Do you hear a difference? Because I do. For years I've had the microphone on my left side. And so I kind of, I don't know, it's the microphone mount is on the left side and so I've just kind of had the arm swung over there to my left side. And today, I moved it over to the right side. It's just, these are the things that you do when you're trying to shake things up. You do stuff like that? Well, I'm going to do it today. True confession, today is Monday, March the 28th, 2022. If I sound like I have a cold, it's because I do. I came down with this in the middle of the night, woke up with a raging sore throat, which hardly ever happens. The sore throat didn't last very long, six, eight hours maybe, and then just massive head cold. That finally found its way into my chest, and so I'm going to kind of, I, I I spent two or three days, well, three days, just solidly, just in bed, and had made up my mind yesterday, which was Sunday, another day spent in bed, uh, that this week I was going to kind of shake some things up. So I had a few things scheduled for this week. I pulled the plug on everything and made up my mind that I was going to kind of shake things up. I was going to use this week while I wasn't feeling particularly well to shake things up. And I've been horribly preoccupied, horribly is probably the right word, horribly preoccupied with this whole topic of this endless loop that plays in our head, this inner narrative, this story, this a lot of people call it mindset. I don't know. I'm, I've never been a fan of that word. I don't know why. Probably just because it's grossly overused. Now, let me paint some context here if I can. You likely have read or heard a lot of people talk about perception and how our, our reality is not real it's just our perception of things and it's how we interpret things 
I, you know, tap the brakes. I'm not sure I buy all that. I have heard people. I've actually had people tell me before as though it was empirically true, uh, in talking about somebody's circumstance. Uh, let's say that somebody is, is suffering just some horrible fate through no fault of their own and how they need to kind of buck up because that's just, that's not the reality. It's just their perception of reality. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. Really? I mean, there are people who are in dire circumstances. <laughs> you, you can't tell the citizens in Ukraine that this isn't really happening. This invasion, it's not really, y'all are just perceiving this. Your, your home didn't really get hit by a missile. It's, I don't know. I just, I, I don't understand. There's something about all that, that I I'm not getting. And I, it could be me. I, I could be dim witted. That's for sure. However, I do firmly believe the power of our mind. And I do firmly believe that a lot of what goes on with us, even physically, it does begin in our, in our mind. And I'm not talking about hallucinating. I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about, we, we do interpret these external things that are happening to us. It's not lost on me that there are going to be little kids in Ukraine who are going to survive what is going on and their politics are going to be fashioned because of what mother Russia has done to their homeland. And it's not lost on me because we have seen it in the middle East that there are going to be some kids who are going to grow up and some perhaps not a large number, but some are going to grow up and become extremists because of what was done to them. It's it's, they are going to interpret this invasion in a certain way that is going to drive the narrative of their political views and possibly their actions. I mean, we we've seen this before. Uh, there are going to be others that are going to interpret this invasion slightly differently. Not that they've interpreted it as being a good thing, but they're just not going to respond quite the way that some will who go to an extreme and embrace a bitterness and a rage against Russia. They're not all going to do that. And whatever that continuum is, that, that line where these kids who grow up to become adults and how they feel about Russia and their political leanings, they're going to be, it's going to be a broad spectrum of things. Well, that's interesting to me. It's interesting to me how some people are going to be, they're going to lean heavily toward anger, rage, resentment, bitterness, pick your words and others less. So suffered the same event, perhaps they're the outcome, whatever that's going to be. Perhaps they suffered similar outcomes, loss of family, loss of home, loss of lifestyle. And yet 
they kind of take very different paths in how they ascribe the story, the narrative, the reality, not the fiction, the reality of what happened to them. And I've long used the, and it's, it's tried. I need to come up with something better, but, and I didn't come up with it, but the, the, the whole road rage thing, because coming from a big city like Dallas, Fort Worth, you see it. If you get out on the road and you, if you commute for any length of time at all, within a day or two, you're going to see somebody. Hopefully you're not a participant. Uh, and hopefully it's not directed at you, but you are going to witness somebody experiencing road rage. And well, I'll just give you the quick story. So somebody cuts you off in traffic and you choose to believe that they're a jerk. Well, maybe they are, or maybe they had a good reason. The problem with the rage is you're the one that suffers from the rage. You believe that they are the recipient of your rage. The problem is they're in another vehicle and they're, they're boogieing on up the highway. They have, you're not on their radar. They don't have a clue what you're going through or what you're thinking or care. But meanwhile, here you are wrapped up in all your emotional baggage and you're just vexed. You're just angry at this person and it can wreck a day if we let it. And so that's kind of the, the gist of these inner narratives, the story that we tell ourselves, this endless loop tape that plays in our head. Uh, I'm not even sure where to begin, but I'll tell you that for me, it was okay. I'm going to take this week. Um, the year has been a little bit of a struggle. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, no, it's been a big struggle. It just has, uh, for a lot of reasons. And I'm like, okay, time to reboot time to kind of grab the reins of my life and, and figure, figure some things out because that's what we do here. Leaning toward wisdom is completely an exercise in figuring it out. Doesn't mean that we do it. Doesn't mean that we get it right, but come on, we're trying, right? So it's worth something. As I said, this is Monday, March the 28th, 2022. Don't know when I'm going to release this. Uh, I've already got episodes in the can, as they say in podcasting. Um, I've already recorded them and got them scheduled for release. But I thought, yeah, I'm 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 going to go ahead and share this, largely because you and I both know we all want to put our best foot forward. I do so many podcasts with guests, and I'm constantly telling guests we want to we want you to put your best foot forward. And largely that is what we want to do. And, and I think that's right. I think that's how it ought to be. But I know this, I know that the learning comes when we don't put our best foot forward. The learning comes when we're like, you know, here's something that happened and I, I didn't put my best foot forward. If I had to write a book, which I wouldn't, but if I did, and that book just consisted of, of the high points, well, number one, it'd be a pretty short book. Number two, it get lost in the shuffle and the noise. And number three, there wouldn't be anything. Nothing could really be derived from it. But boy, I could write volumes. I could write, I could write multiple volumes of, of books about things that I got wrong 
and I'm not being self-deprecating and I'm not lambasting myself. I, this is just the way life works of here's what I was thinking. Here's what I did. And I look back and okay, here's, here's what I got wrong. Here's what I should have done. I should have done differently and it might could be valuable. It's how we learn. There is this illusion. I think that we all have that we're going to just something magical is going to happen. Something hopefully fantastical is going to happen and, and it, it's all going to get better. It's all going to be, it's all going to be okay. I don't think it's true. Uh, I, Einstein did not say you continue to do the same thing and expect a different outcome. And it's the definition of insanity. He's been ascribed that, but I don't know who said it and I don't even know if, if that's right, but it is largely the complacency that exists in all of our lives. So my microphone is on the left side. It's always been on the left side. Well, not now. And this is kind of a zigzag thing. Yeah. It's kind of that George Costanza. Let's just do the opposite of everything that we've done before. Why not? And so I thought, well, okay. Some of the habits and we've all got them and they're neither good nor bad. They just are what they are. Well, some habits can be good or bad, but microphone being on the left or microphone being on the right, it's completely innocuous. I mean, what difference does it make? Well, I don't know because it's always on the left. So let's put it on the right and let's see what happens. And it does sound different to me. I'm sitting here with headphones on. I'm like, okay, well, number one, my mouth is closer to the microphone in this position just because of the way my desk and stuff is set up. So there's that good, bad, indifferent. Don't know, but let's see what difference it makes. Sometimes we just need to shake things up. So I've kind of, I'm changing the consumption model. I've spent some hours listening to audio books. I don't listen to that many audio books. Why did I do that? I, I'm a reader. I like to read, but I thought, well, okay, let's shake things up. I need to shake things up. Uh, whatever I've been used to doing, if I've been used to doing something at a particular time of the day, I'm not going to do that. So I pull the plug. I pull the plug on most everything this week just so that I could reboot myself. I just feel like I need to reboot myself. Now I'm going to go on record and tell you that I think a big part of what you hear in this congestion and stuff is number one, a horrific lack of sleep, which catches up with me and I pay the price for it. And I've never, I get this every winter, but I've now gotten it twice. That's new for me. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get on top of this. I'm going to do whatever I can to change this outcome. I don't like this. I'm not happy about this. I didn't ask for it. I'm not looking for it, but eh, okay. A, a blind man could have probably seen it coming. So there's that which is why I've intentionally stayed in bed. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, and I'm pretty good about that. I'm not one of these cats that, you know, feign sickness and then I'm, I'm peddling and I'm, I'm doing other stuff. No, I mean, I have been the blackout curtains 
in the room in bed noise machine going and staying there you know drinking a lot of fluid and all that stuff so trying to be responsible in in that regard but the second thing is stress i learned in my 30s probably mid to late 30s because it was about that time frame when you would hear these older cats talk about stress and whatnot right and we were young and we were like yeah right stress give me more give me more and i admittedly have always been a bit of a stress junkie now let me quantify it's got to be the right kind of stress the stress of ambition and chasing and trying to get better and trying to help other people get better it's just it's just the the word is relentless i just there's just no other word for it my expectations are stupid high uh, family members including Rhonda have told me, you know, you, you expect too much, uh, particularly when we might be talking about somebody and I can say, you know, man, they, I think they, they can do better, you know, and Rhonda will look at me like, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not too sure about that. And I just, I don't know. I just, it's not that I, I start to say, it's not that I'm optimistic, but maybe I am, you know, I just, I, I look at myself. I look at, I look at the outcome and the output of other of some other people. And I'm like, you know, we, we can just, we can do better. I mean, man, alive, can't we do better? I mean, you ever look at society and think, I mean, come on, really? Is, is this as good as we can be? Surely not. There's a disc profile. There's all kinds of personality profiles. And one is called disc D I S C. I haven't taken it in a long time. I couldn't even tell you what I, I couldn't even tell you what that assessment bore out about me, but, um, there is one trait I remember reading about the disc profile. It called it the refiner, the refiner. Well, I'm, I'm definitely in that category and the refiner is just, it's not necessarily somebody that's critical, but it's somebody that looks and, and, and is sees ways that something can be made better. And it's just kind of gets fixated on that. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely in that camp that plays into stress because well, uh, for the last however many years uh i've had a stressor a particular stressor in my life in my personal life uh, that has really shoved that to the forefront not in looking at somebody else's life but in looking at my own and in trying to refine and refine and there's an enormous discontentment that goes with it and it can be a discontentment that is in all the right directions Right. I mean, the kind of discontentment that displaces complacency. There is a discontentment that is negative, a discontentment that just never, ever satisfied. Well, I think there's a, for me, there's a fine line difference between satisfaction. I can be satisfied and content today, but that satisfaction and contentment may not last until tomorrow because tomorrow's a new day. And I'm going to be thinking, you know, I want tomorrow to be better. Now, what can I do to facilitate that? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Most times I do think that we get into these habits, which is the reason the microphone's on the right side today. We get in these habits and we think that, well, you know, yesterday was pretty much like the day before and like the day before and like the day before and like the day before. And yet we're expecting things to improve. And it's like, why? 
why, why am I expecting things to improve? We get up and we largely do the same thing in the same order, the exact same way day after day, after day, after day. And the results are largely the same day after day, after day, after day. And well, they should be because so much of our life is very predictable. It's not a great thought, but it is a thought. If somebody were lurking, staring, watching you, observing you, and they had ill will towards you, let's say that they wanted to kill you be fairly easy. Really? No, we don't want to go kill anybody. No, that's not the point here. Just hang with me. This is a mental exercise, but if somebody were to watch you, they're going to notice that you probably leave the same time every day. You pretty much drive the same course every day. You've got this routine and it probably would not take somebody more than two or three days to figure out your routine because we are creatures of routine. It keeps us sane. We do a lot of things on autopilot because it would drive us completely batty. If we didn't, we don't want to get up every day and have to think about every little decision that must be made. So, you know, last week I'm laying in bed and I'm just, I don't know, I'm just not feeling good at all. And I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking all this stuff and I'm thinking, Okay, well, what if you did? What if you what if you did face all these little decisions that are autopilot decisions? What if you stopped long enough and said, well, not that I'm just going to do it the opposite, like moving a microphone from the left to the right, but what if I was just going to be more thoughtful about the decisions? What if I wasn't just going to, okay, you get up in the morning and you automatically turn on this radio and listen to this station and you brush your teeth and whatever. I mean, what if you don't, what if you just decided you're not going to do that? You're just gonna, what if you're just going to stop and you're going to think about it? I mean, this inner narrative of this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And what if you just stopped and said, no, I'm going to rethink that. Then I carried it even further and thought, well, what if I intentionally said, no, not only am I not going to do it that way, I'm going to do it a different way. I'm not only going to be thoughtful about the decision, but I'm going to intentionally make a different decision. I'm going to make a different choice. What, what would happen then? <laughs> I don't know. It's a social experiment. Go with me. Cause and effect, cause and effect. Do you ever wonder about the happenings of your life and wonder about the cause and effect? Now I get it. We all get it that there is this reality that is way bigger than us completely outside ourselves. And the most current news item that illustrates that is Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, cause effect. These poor people in Ukraine cause this. No, no, you, you, you got a, a madman who's on a power surge, but at our personal level, there, there, there is much more cause effect stuff that's going on the happenings of our life. And then if you let your mind go hopping down the bunny trail of your past, well, I mean, then things can get really muddy really quickly for all of us. I learned a long, long time ago. I don't know when I came up with the age of 11. I don't know why I just picked it. It was completely random. I made a comment one day that I have repeated many, 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 many times since that 
ultimately we we are the 11 year old version of ourselves. I do think that. I don't mean in total, but largely I'm the same as I was at 11. Not entirely. I mean, come on, we, we grow, we learn, we develop, but these default behaviors and, and these, these, these images that we have of ourselves and, and whatnot, it just feels to me like, and I could be ascribing something that I'm feeling to the rest of humanity. And that could be, well, that is dangerous and it's terribly unfair, but I'm doing it. How different are you from the 11 year old version of yourself? I mean, if 11 year old, you defaulted to behave a certain way, speak a certain way, act a certain way. Now I'm not talking about childish idiocy. Hopefully we outgrew that, but I'm talking about more personality related things. And I'm talking more about even the way that you talk to yourself. Is it that different? Is it that different? See, for me, I don't feel like it is. <laughs> and I can hear you. I can hear you all in unison say, well, there's the problem. <laughs> we've, we have, we've discovered your problem. You're 11. <laughs> well, it could, you could, you could be on something there. No question. Our mind is ridiculously powerful. Our brain, I have said it until I'm blue in the face. I wish, I wish I had the brain power to be a neuroscientist, but I'm, I don't, I'm thankful that there are people who have that brain power and that capacity. I just, I do know this because of all of the reading and study that I've done on the human brain and particularly story and the story that we tell ourselves and that story, not always being completely real and yet it's completely, it's so real to us. Don't you love it when people say, well, you're too emotional <laughs> as though that's a bad thing. Well, I think emotions are, I mean, we, we are emotional. We need to be emotional. I think, I think it gives us this amazing capacity as humans. I mean, animals aren't, you can say, well, but they get angry. Well, yeah, but they, they're following these instincts. They're following fear or aggression or any number of things. You and I, we, we've got these feelings attached to things and these feelings. And it's as though having these feelings attached to things that that's, that's a, a negative thing. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. If you lack emotions, well, you're dangerous. You're ridiculously dangerous, not only to yourself, but to society. We think things, we feel things, and we have this consciousness about ourselves. We have this, this awareness about ourselves, and it's ridiculously powerful. Now, it can be destructive, no question. I've done some research. Well, I've been doing research on leadership all my life, and I'm, I'm always fascinated at how groups, when the reality TV shows began uh, particularly think shows like survivor and this whole vote you off off the island kind of a thing or or groups of people where you've got a number of people clamoring for power and authority and and they want to be the leader right they want to be the voice of, of authority in the group and 
And as they clamor for this and as they struggle for this, it's, these are, I don't know. I find these, I find these little things fascinating. And there's been plenty of evidence that goes a number of years back, decades ago. I remember reading research where groups of people can tend to see somebody who is narcissistic, somebody who is completely self-absorbed and yet confident. Well, you would say overconfident because isn't that what a narcissist is? I mean, a narcissist is somebody that has an, an inflated view of themselves and an inflated view of their abilities. So they are supremely confident. That doesn't mean it's based in anything real, but it's how they feel about them. It's their, it's the way they view themselves. It's their self-awareness and how the rest of the group can quite easily acquiesce to that. And I wonder, you know, is it because the group is, is it because the group has confidence in that person? And eh, not, not really. I, I think it's because the group acquiesces to the tyranny of the behavior of that person. And, but you see it all the time. I mean, it's, it's very commonplace. It's commonplace in organizations. It's commonplace in homes. It's commonplace in business. It's commonplace anywhere there is power laying around on the floor that is that somebody hasn't grabbed up and called their own, but I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by that perception that the person has that narcissist has in believing that I, I am the smartest person in this room, that power that is laying there in the middle of the floor that is unclaimed is mine belongs to me. I will take it. I will declare it my own and the group will follow. And quite often they do. Now, it doesn't work out, as you would well imagine, because the narcissist is usually not the ideal person to follow. But they think they are. But it's all about them. And you think, well, they can feel that way. And meanwhile, you know, there's Joe across the way there hugging the wall. And what's going on with Joe? I mean, why is Joe letting this happen? Well, there's a whole lot of dynamics going on, but I'm fascinated by what is Joe thinking? And if I'm in the group, what am I thinking? Well, I can tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be like this guy. I don't want to be like this narcissist. I mean, number one, I don't particularly think I'm the smartest guy in the room to begin with. In fact, I'm going to look around the room and I'm going to quickly ascertain and go, I know I'm not the smartest person in the room. My natural inclination is going to be look around the room and think all of us together, all of us together are smarter than any one of us. Why can't we go that route? Well, because we just don't do that because then the power is left in the middle of the floor that, well, that doesn't work. That power needs to be claimed. I need that power. Somebody needs that power. So I got all this going on in my head. And by now you're thinking, well, you need to take NyQuil and just call it a day, dude. And you're probably right. I probably, I probably do. What's your earliest memory? Hit pause. Come on. It's a podcast. We can, we got all the time in the world. How far back do you have to go to remember anything? Yeah. You know, I've done this more times than I can tell you. And I, 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 I can't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can remember preschool. I can remember kindergarten there. I've got these, there, these flashes, these moments, right? Where you can, I can remember I was probably about four. And, uh, you know, and, and, and then I get stuck. I just get stuck. 
And it's not like I've got great memories of that. I mean, I've got, I would say from kindergarten on, yeah. I mean, I come on, you don't remember every day, but you, you remember being in kindergarten. You remember being in first grade. I don't remember anything prior. I don't think I can remember anything prior to age four. And now maybe the bigger question is, what do you remember? I remember, I remember certain toys. I remember, uh, I remember places. I remember dogs. I, I, I remember things like that. I'm hoping that you don't remember something traumatic. I don't. I don't. I, well, I mean, I've got some memory of, you know, when I misbehaved and I got punished, but I wouldn't say those are dominant in my thinking. And then there are other people that they can really magnify some slight. Do you know people like this? Sure you do. Now, I hope you're not one of them. You know the type. The person that they remember every slight that every human being has ever perpetrated on them. I don't know how they do it. My, my memory just is not that good. And if I did want to devote my memory bank to something that just, that just seems like such a, a poor way to utilize it, doesn't it? But that's me. But I mean, people that can remember the smallest detail of anything that seemed a slight toward them. And it's filed away and their recall of it is magnificent. <laughs> I'm not saying it's accurate, but it's how they, it's how they viewed it. No, I don't, I don't mind my going back. As long as I can go back is frankly, is fairly innocuous, if not positive. And I didn't, you know, childhood was perfectly great. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't, wasn't perfect by a long shot. Um, I remember first grade, I remember wetting my pants. Yes, I did. I remember being totally humiliated. I don't remember the, the circumstances of it seems to me that I do recall begging to be let go and being refused. And next thing you know, I, I can't hold it anymore. And I remember going to the office or whatever, somebody calling my folks and had to go change clothes but to say that well i my whole i rem, i've got all these memories cataloged of all these embarrassing moments i know i you kidding me well number one it would take amazon web services it would take a data bank it would take a a storage facility the size of a a football field to probably to to merely keep track of all the embarrassing things that i've 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 done uh, no, I, I just, I don't, I, th I think about that one. Uh, if I tried, I could probably, I could think about others and I would happily share them, but you know, we've all done, we've all, we've all, we've all been that person. So I'm thinking about all this in my antihistamine stupor and I'm thinking, okay, microphone. No, I didn't think about the microphone being on the left and moving it to the right until I just started to hit record a few minutes ago and i thought yeah okay let's move it over here why not let's see how this goes and instead of reading okay let's listen i got i got a 
I got a number of things, audio books that I, I, I have only in audio. And I just, I don't know. It's just not the way I normally roll. So I'm like, and you would think, well, you're an audio guy and I am, but I like to read. So, okay, well, let's listen to these. Let's listen to these. And then I've got some other books that are on Kindle that I really haven't been delving into. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, this is a week that I'm going to work on this stuff. I'm going to work on, well, in a, in a word, I'm going to work on me. I'm going to work on me. And part of it is, you know, the story that you tell yourself, the story that you tell yourself every day. And part of the story for me is the story that, well, okay, to, today's going to be better. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to push forward. I'm going to try to make some things happen today. And you know what I've learned? And I learned this a long time ago. Sometimes the, the harder you try, the worse it gets. Hockey players, there's this grabbing the stick too tightly, right? You just nerves, fear, anxiety, whatever. And hockey players can just, you can just, you, you've just got a death grip on the stick and you just need to relax. There's absolute truth to that. We've been watching March Madness, right? It's that time of year and it's great and it's wonderful. And it's like the only time most of us watch college basketball. And you saw this little team from a little college in New Jersey, St. Peter's. And they make it to the Elite Eight and they get knocked off. Was it North Carolina? And you knew it was going to happen. I mean, you just kind of felt like it was going to happen that these kids were, I mean, they were ten- tenacious. They, they played with great vigor and zeal and energy, but you just knew that at some point the, uh, the odds were athleticism on the part of the opponent was probably going to catch up with them. And I mean, come on, you come up against a powerhouse like North Carolina and hello, it happens, but it's, it's pretty fun to watch. It's pretty fun to watch, especially when you're watching a group of, of guys who are playing together and you just realize they're believing this. And it's one big reason why they are achieving what they're achieving is because they, they believe it. They believe they belong on the court with these other teams. It's why they knocked off some notable opponents along the way. They believed it. So I'm not discounting belief, um, but it may have its limits, right? I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm six foot two and I've got belief and I come up against a player who's six foot nine and he's got belief that matches mine and athletic prowess that trumps mine, he's probably going to beat me because I've just got limitations. They're not in my head. They're in my stature. They're in my skills. And I think that's true for all of us. When you think about your limitations, what do you think? How do you think about your limitations? How do you approach your limitations? And maybe better yet, do you, do you focus on them? Do you focus on what you aren't? If in a world where six foot nine can jump out of the gym like a kangaroo, Trump six foot two struggles to shoot free throws, how do you think about yourself? Some people said on the telecast, I think it was last night, I was just I was watching some highlights that it's the David and Goliath, but they don't know they don't know they're David. Now as a faith based guy, as a Bible 
student. I, I don't quite understand. I do understand. I understand how, you know, the whole David Goliath thing kind of uh, people, people just get it wrong. And you know what? Mostly people get wrong. Didn't have anything to do with David. Didn't have anything to do with Goliath. Had to do with God. David had God on his side. Sorry, St. Pete, but you ain't got God on your side. But neither did North Carolina. I mean, I'm going to be hard-pressed to think that God is a college basketball fan and that God has an interest in one team winning versus another. Yeah, I know, I know. They're... Some are going to ascribe it to God. You know, God gave us the victory. I, you know, okay. You know the problem with that? If God gave North Carolina the victory, then that necessarily means that God didn't want St. Pete to win. <laughs> yeah, I can't buy that. I can't buy that. Well, you know why I can't buy that? Because the scripture says that God is no respecter of persons. God isn't just shining some bright light on me because he likes me better than he likes you. And that's what that means. That's hard for us. It's really difficult for us because that's kind of the way we operate. Okay, God doesn't operate that way. And aren't we glad? I mean, can you imagine can you imagine if God treated us based on he likes you better than me or he likes me better than you? I mean, what hope would we have if that were the case? Thankfully it's not. Where did I get off track? As I am wont to do. There's reality. Ukraine is experiencing reality of war. There is also then how we ascribe. There is the story that we tell ourselves about the reality. My first illustration in this podcast was those that are going to embrace bitterness and resentment and anger and rage against Russia. And there will be some extremism come, come out of that. It, there, it's just, it's going to happen. Some people will. I'm not smart enough to figure out why some people will and why others will take a much more moderate view of it. They will absolutely hate what has happened to their country. They will absolutely forever resent that Russia did this to them, but it will not define their whole life. They will not devote themselves to the extremism that some others will they will go on to try to make the most productive lives that they can in Ukraine or elsewhere. But it will forever be with them that this life and this country that was their home was taken from them by an evil, evil man. Some will ascribe it to the entire nation of Russia. Others will ascribe it to a mad dictator. Why the difference? Because we have these stories in our head. We craft these stories and we largely live these stories. And I guess for me, that's, that's really the point of hitting record on a day like today when quite honestly, I didn't feel like it is the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And I don't mean the narcissistic I should be in charge because I'm the smartest person in the room. Yeah. If you're a narcissist, you're, you're already feeling that way. And nothing I'm going to say is going to change that. You're, you're still going to, you're still going to look at me and go, well, he's an idiot. Uh, I'm so much better than him and smart and plenty of people do. So that's fine. I mean, if you, th the line forms to the left, if you want to stand and throw rocks at me, 
I mean, so that's fine. Get in line like I care, but I'm talking about our self-perception of how devoted do we want to get? How much work do we want to put in to trying to change that narrative, to change that story? Because we know the story that we've been writing. We know how that story is going. I won't say we know the end of the story, but we kind of know the output of the story because we basically, we've been writing it all of our lives. But you and I both know, we have this intellectual capacity, don't we, to know and to really understand the truth of the fact that we get, we, we get stuck. We get stuck in, in these roles. We get stuck in these plateaus because it's our frame of reference. And it's our frame of reference because largely we took all the stuff that's happened to us and all the ways that we reacted to this stuff. And we formulated this narrative, right, wrong, or indifferent. We did. So if, if, if I choose to funnel my energy, my rage, my anger, my angst, my suffering, my sorrow toward the entire nation of Russia, that's a very different story than if I ascribe it to a man and not an entire nation of people. It's a whole different deal. It's a completely different outcome. I'm fascinated by why one chooses one and one chooses the other. Now I got theories about it, but I've waxed on too long already. Here's what I know. Getting on autopilot, operating on autopilot is probably not a great way to go. I get that it's a great way to stay sane. I get that we don't need to get up in the morning having to make all of these little decisions that we could just as well, we're just going to do what we did yesterday because it worked. You know, I'm right-handed, so I'm going to brush my teeth with my right hand. Well, I could trick it up and go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it with my left hand because I got an automatic toothbrush, so I could do that. In fact, the very reason that I have an automatic toothbrush, an electric toothbrush, if you please, is because I, I'm right-handed, and I, I had elbow surgery on my right arm, and my right arm was in a cast for like six weeks. Well, I invested in like an Oral-B toothbrush, and this happened 20 years ago, and I've had one ever since. And I did it so that I could use my left hand. Well, for that six-week period, I was using my left hand. Well, guess what happened? The minute I got the cast off, yeah, I went back to the right hand because I'm right-handed. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But now carry that over into all the other things, all of the other things in our life, all the other details of our life, our work habits, our personal life habits. I mean, I did an episode about four ways to wreck your marriage, and these were, you know, not, nothing too terribly deep about it. One of the things that I mentioned was kissing your spouse goodbye in the morning, greeting them, kissing them goodnight at night. That's a good autopilot habit. Necessary? I'm not saying it's necessary, but it's not a bad thing, right? Saying I love you when you hang up a phone call 
or when you part from family members, it's a good habit. Is it autopilot? Well, I don't know. Autopilot makes it sound like there's no thought at all to it. And for me, that's not true. But I start thinking about things like microphone on the left, microphone on the right, checking email, uh, consuming things, creating things, trying to make some things happen, surround hoping some things will happen. And I'm thinking, you know, I think there's a danger. I think there's a danger in just getting, getting stuck with last week. I've got my vitamins in a, in a, uh, I don't know. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a weekly kind of a container thing. It's a pillbox thing. And I've got them. It's a Sunday through Saturday, AM, PM. I take a statin. That's the only thing that I take. Okay. So the statin, the statin is in, on the PM thing. And then, you know, the vitamins are in the morning thing. And I refill them every Saturday. And as I refill them, I, I'll get to Friday and I'll look at them and I'll think another week, another week gone, another week that felt just like the week before it and the week before that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. And I understand that the sameness keeps us sane to a point. Um, but then I'm, I'm stuck on growth and improvement, my growth and improvement. How am I going to grow and improve if I don't change anything? How am I going to grow and improve if nothing changes, but I'm just waiting for it to, I know that doesn't work. Intellectually, I absolutely know that doesn't work. And you know, that doesn't work. And yet it's what we largely do. You know, we get in this autopilot and it's what we've done and we've got this routine and it's perfectly fine. And it's not a matter of, well, I'm bored with that. It's just a matter of, okay, well, what do I expect? I, I well, I'm, I'm expecting something different. I'm not doing anything different, but I'm kind of sort of expecting something different. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping something will be different. You ever, you ever rearrange stuff in your house? I don't do it so much anymore because I'm just I'm old and I'm tired and I really don't want to. But I used to do it in my room all the time. Right, if the headboard was up against this wall, then I'm like, you know, I want I think I want it to I want the bed to face this other way. Yeah, and I usually I would go back to the other way because once you got it figured out, you kind of got it figured out, but. Sometimes I would, I would do it just cause I needed, I just needed it to feel different. I needed it to look different. It's largely why we take vacations. We just, we want to feel something different. We want to see something different. We want to be in a different place. And so we do that. They was, they were doing a story. There's a, a play by play, a blind from birth play by play. I forgot what college he does their games, basketball. And it's like, it's kind of fascinating to realize this young man has never seen basketball. He's describing basketball and he's describing a game live that he can't see. How in the world is he, is he doing this? Um, he has them turn down his headphones low so that he can hear the game. He, he wants to hear the rim. He goes out before and he listens to the rim to tell if it's a, you know, is it, is it a loose or tight rim? And it's kind of fascinating. It's like, here's somebody that's blind. That's trying to describe a game that he's never, ever seen before. And <laughs> I was thinking about that in context of us kind of rearranging 
furniture or rearranging our, our brain, rearranging our habits, rearranging our routines, rearranging just anything in our life. Any, I mean, from small things like a microphone being on your left-hand side versus a microphone being moved to the right-hand side. And that's a different perspective. Now, admittedly, I don't have things quite set up the way I, you know, so I'm, I'm sitting here, I got a microphone arm kind of in front of my eyes here as I'm, I'm looking at, at a computer screen, nothing on the computer screen, by the way. I mean, I'm, well, you could tell when I started off, this was going to be kind of a total riff and it is, but I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about all this and I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to figure this out? Are we going to figure this out by by playing the same movie, are we going to figure this out by rewriting the script? I mean, there's the rub. As always, I'm bearing the lead. Are we going to stick to the same script and we're going to hope that the ending is different? Or are we going to say, you know, I don't, this script can be improved. We can make this script better. We can make it much, much better. We can, we can do it differently. Now your script and my script, they are what they are in that you are who you are. You are what you are, but that doesn't mean that that's all you are. We all know that we get, you see these Russian oligarchs, whatever they're called. Did I get that word right? I may not have. And I mean, this multi-million dollar yacht and it's like, does it cross your mind? How much money would you have to make to afford one of those? And you realize that they cost millions of dollars just to keep them floating. I mean, how much income do you have to generate and how do you generate that kind of income? Can you get your head wrapped around that? No, me neither, but you know, there are people who can, there are people who do, and they're not like you. They're not like me. Now I don't want a yacht. That's pretty high up on the list of things that I don't want. But there are things that I, that I would absolutely love to have that aren't stupid, crazy money, but sometimes it's hard to get your head wrapped around it. And yet you're thinking, man, alive, you know, my ambitions are, I mean, they're puny compared to that. I'm, I'm not wanting a $400 million yacht. I can't even imagine a $400 million yacht. I can't imagine, I can't imagine 4 million, much less 400 million and in a yacht. But there are people who you realize that somebody right now, there's a yacht being built for somebody. Well, maybe not right now, because there's a bunch of them going to be available in the market evidently real soon, but somebody's having one built. They've absolutely, they've written, they've wired money. They've wired money. They've got deposits on the line. They got millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. And you know. We're sitting here looking at the price of gas per gallon. It's an over amplification of the deal. And the deal is the stories that we tell ourselves. There is something to the set point. You've heard about the physical set point that we have, you know, this thing that kind of keeps our weight roughly the same, but there's also a financial set point. There's a social set point. There's a, you know, there's, I think there are all these set points in our life that are largely based on how we were brought up and the environment that we came from. And yet you and I both know that there are people who were brought up poor as Job's Turkey and they are incredibly wealthy because they wanted to escape that. They were like, I'm never going to be poor again. 
and some went to the extreme, like perhaps some child in Ukraine is going to be extreme one day in their venom against the entire country of Russia. It happens. I don't fully understand it, but this much I know. We make up our mind. And once we make up our mind, that is the direction we go. But we can make up our mind, and we have this picture, and we have this little movie playing in our head, and it's the same movie. It's always the same movie. And yet sometimes we're like, I don't, I don't like the movie. But we feel like we're stuck with the movie. And we feel like, well, there's this projectionist in our head that we have zero control over, never realizing we're the projectionist. We're playing this movie. Don't like the story? Change the story. Well, there's the rub. How do you do that? How do you change the story? I'm starting small. <laughs> I move my microphone from the left to the right. I appreciate you clicking play. You didn't have to. Was it your first time? Man, I'm really happy that you did. Leaning Toward Wisdom is found at leaningtowardwisdom.com. It's also on every podcast platform on the planet. The best tagline that I've ever come up with, that I've stuck with, is Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. That pursuit is to lean toward wisdom and to lean further away from our own foolishness. It is about possession. That is, we possess the foolishness. But collectively, we can also, I think, possess increasingly greater wisdom. We got to look outside ourselves. Me, I look mostly toward faith and scripture because I know that's wisdom from above. And for me, it all emanates there. LeaningTowardWisdom.com My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.